We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast. We are still in the bonus season before we kick off season 14. And last week, Julie interviewed me and we had so much fun (laughs) that this week we're turning the tables around and I get to interview Miss Julie Kraftchik herself. I'm a little nerve sighted. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nerve sighted. Nerve sighted. (laughs) Nervous slash excited for anyone unfamiliar with the term. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're kind of they kind of go hand in hand. We've had so many community members reach out with their own questions. I've gotten a few private DMs with, you know, Ooh, people who want to oh protect their identity <laughs> and they want to know what's up. Uh, and I think ultimately, we've never done this before. And it's just a really fun way to show you all 
our journey and show you our mm-hmm. why, our why of why we're doing this podcast. Uh, so we're going to turn the tables. Like I said, I'm going to interview Julie. But before <laughs> we get to that, we had just a crazy week. Just want to quickly touch upon it. Oh, yes. This viral sensation West Elm Caleb uh, was <laughs> dropped into our laps basically and all of a sudden we became the experts on West Elm Caleb <laughs> for anyone living under a rock West Elm Caleb exploded on TikTok it was one woman that kind of started it up saying that she had gone out with this guy Caleb and he worked at West Elm hence the nickname and he did the things that unfortunately happen a little too much in modern dating I believe there were dick pics involved There was a lot of love bombing, there was ghosting at the end, and what became the phenomenon is that just women layered on about this experience that they also had with West Elm Caleb. And what really became fascinating is that married women were layering on, and it was not even the West Elm Caleb, but basically the West Elm Caleb that embodied all West Elm Calebs. The universal Caleb. (laughs) The the universal douchebag we've all dated and maybe the universal douchebag we've all been at some point in our lives. But the most ridiculous part of this story to me was that the original woman who posted about Caleb wasn't even speaking of this West Elm Caleb. It wasn't even the right Caleb. It wasn't even the right (laughs) Caleb. And she's the one that broke the news and united all these women who had dated the same guy. But she was not part of that harem of women who dated the same guy. And okay, so we were first interviewed for NBC News. And then we got requoted mm-hmm. in New York Post. And then yep. most recently, we went on CNN headline news. Y'all, CNN headline it news was to talk insane. about West Elm Caleb. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say thank you, West Elm Caleb, for helping UA and I. But no, I think it actually was, it's just fascinating because I I really think West Elm Caleb basically embodies what's broken with modern dating. And I think that's why people had such a rash, like, you know, feeling towards what was going on. And people could really relate because they've had this happen to them. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a whirlwind. We got up at initially, I think CNN did not realize that UA and I were on the West Coast. So they proposed 4.30am for the 7.30am slot on the East Coast. And we luckily got bumped to 6.45pm but it was definitely an early Sunday, but very exciting. We got up, did it. I'm really happy with the way it came out, especially for that early on a Sunday morning. This whole thing has been just so fascinating, taking this look into it. And I think it really has caused the two of us to dig a little deeper too of why is everyone so obsessed with West Elm Caleb and what does this mean for modern dating and why did it become the phenomenon it became? So that kind of relates to the first question I'm going to ask you. Julie, because we were expecting (laughs) all the press outlets to ask us this question. Do you think Caleb deserved this? Oh, my God. That's my first question. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yes and no. I know that's not a good answer. One of the problems with modern dating is that no one holds anyone accountable. Mm-hmm. One person I remember wrote in to Dateable a long time ago being like, thank you for making me not be a garbage human being on yes. dating apps. And that has stuck with me for a while because there's no repercussion. No mm-hmm. one is going to catch you. And, you know, this whole thing with TikTok is so fascinating because the whole beauty of dating apps is that it really is people outside of your network 
network that it allows you to meet other people you wouldn't come in contact with. But kind of the reverse is that there's no accountability, right? Because you'll never come in contact again with them. And TikTok totally broke through that and gave this guy accountability. So for that, I like it. And I do think that it was deserved in that sense that we just can't keep excusing bad behaviors, whether that's women or men. But I think men, we've been giving this like boys will be boys excuse for way too long. So I'll say that. Did he deserve to be kind of like canceled and ousted? I don't know, because I do think people just like layered on their own personal Caleb's that weren't really him. Mm -hmm. We were just saying the first woman, it wasn't even the same person that everyone else was talking about. So yeah, I think it definitely blew up. That being said, we don't really know what repercussions it's caused for him in a week or a month. It, this might have totally blow over. And also, even if it doesn't, there's always going to be someone that thinks they can change this person. So mm-hmm. it may or may not really impact his life. I don't know. That's still kind of verdict is out. I don't believe he like lost his job or anything. I know in the past, cancellations have resulted in that. I feel like that might have been too brutal. If we found out that Wesom Caleb is wanting to come on our show to clear his name, <laughs> would you want him on the show? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would love to have him on the show. And I think we wouldn't attack him because at Dateable, that isn't what we do. I think we try to understand the why. And likely, I mean, I'm not excusing his behavior. I don't want to say that in any way. He was 25 years old, you know, a few years out of college. My guess is he just isn't ready to be in a long-term committed relationship. Should he have been more transparent? Absolutely. Should he have love-bombed and then ghosted? No, that's not the right way to go about it. But I'm sure there's like things that are going on for him. Like We learned from Confessions of a Ghoster when we had that episode that most of the time ghosting doesn't have to do with the other person on the other side. It's the fact that the ghoster is unable to confront emotions mm-hmm. and be emotionally in tune enough to have difficult conversations. That avoidant behavior. Mm -hmm. And speaking of avoidant behavior, so Julie, you've done most of your dating in San Francisco. How long have you been in San Francisco Mm. now? Yes, I've been in San Francisco. Oh my God, I like him losing track. I believe, (laughs) (laughs) I think I just hit, I'm like 12 and a half years, I believe. That is a long time, and that kind of makes you a local. It is. And when we first started the podcast, it was about dating in San Francisco. So in your 12 years of dating in the city, how do you think the dating scene has changed from the moment you Mm. arrived? You know, I don't think the dating scene has changed as much as I've changed. Mm. And a lot of daters are kind of on the same boat. And of course, there's different nuances that have come up. But I think I'm looking at myself when I started dating at 25 to even 35 to even, you know, 37 is when I met my current partner. I've changed so much in that time that the way I viewed dating and interactions on dating apps have just dramatically shifted. And also just, I really believe that at the end of the day, dating is a reflection of yourself and what you believe you deserve, your confidence levels, all of that. And I can see from when I was 25, I just either was not in the place to have a committed long-term relationship or I didn't believe I was worthy. And when you were 25 in San Francisco, how were you meeting people to date? Mm. So a couple ways. I think when I first moved here, I definitely was meeting people more out and about 
in bars. It wasn't totally foreign for someone to come up to you in a bar. I will say I don't think many of them resulted in actual relationships, but also Mm -hmm. friends of friends. I did have a lot of people that I met that way. And when I was 25 and coming here, honestly, dating wasn't my first priority. It was establishing Mm -hmm. a life in a new city. And sometimes a byproduct of that was going out and just meeting people more organically and naturally. So that would probably be at the very start. I would say probably around 27, I shifted to be a little more intentional. I remember two of my friends had signed up for Match.com because, you know, they were kind of sick. I think we sometimes have amnesia that IRL is the best way to meet people. Because I remember so many times we'd meet people at bars and it would go nowhere or they were just looking for hookups. Or you would know nothing about this person and then you would learn enough and you're like, this is not someone I would remotely date or five kids. Or they're like 10 years younger than me. You know, there's so many different things. I think it's interesting because dating apps have just shifted the information. It's like you learn everything up front and then you see Mm -hmm. if you're attracted, where in the past it was are you attracted? Okay, now let me learn everything. So right. I'll say that it it, it was interesting because I remember two of my best friends here signed up for Match.com because they were ready to start meeting someone, people to actually go on dates with. And I did the same. Um, I think some of it was that I also hit a point that I was ready to go on more adult-like dates and <laughs> start to be <laughs> you know, I think it was I remember doing early dates on dating on match.com and being like, wow, I'm actually at dinner having this conversation with someone opposed An to actual just, date, you know, getting drunk at a bar. Yeah, and it seems so foreign. But I think the it's ironic, actually, that people think the apps don't help with that now. But I saw it as just the opposite back in the day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you've met people both IRL and online through dating apps. But Mm -hmm. I think many people would consider you to have mastered the art of human connection. When we first met, you were doing your startup called 500 Brunches, where you connected people with like-minded interests over brunch. I can memorize that slogan. Every day. (laughs) Wow, the branding worked. (laughs) That's how we met. And my first impression of you was, wow, she's very extroverted and she is passionate about connecting people. Mm -hmm. And not only did I feel that way, it was you proved it after we became closer friends. You showed me all of your other friend circles. And for anybody who doesn't know Julie, it is so interesting to me that she has a group of very close girlfriends who are all Asian and they all went to the same college. And Julie's like the outlier, but she's so close to them. And this is like unfathomable in today's world to break into a friend circle that's so close who are also college friends. And And then she's got this other group of her own college friends, and she's got her San Francisco crew, too. So you have such diverse range of friends. How do you think? So two questions. One is, how would you Mm -hmm. define a human connection? And two is, Mm. how do you think you've become so good at it? Yeah, that's it's interesting, because I will say, I think friendship has always come easy to me. Mm -hmm. Dating, not as much, which is part of the catalyst of wanting to do this with you in the first place. (laughs) So I think the first part is... Friendship has always come easy to me. What do I think defining human connection is, is relating to other people. It's such a, it's like such a big aspect. And it's, I can think of all the different ways to define it. But what is the actual defining words? I think it's how can you feel like you belong somewhere ultimately? 
Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's with one other person or a group of people, that connection forms when you feel seen and heard and you feel valued by someone. And I think we all need human connection, whether it's romantic or platonic. To bring it to dating, too, is I personally think I went through a period that I wasn't dating authentically. I remember mm-hmm. my best friend when I was doing a lot of serial dating. When Tinder first came out, I was going on three dates a week, probably. Uh That's probably a conservative number, (laughs) sometimes two in one night. And I remember like my best friend just being so confused why nothing was sticking for me. She's like, you're Mm -hmm. you make friends everywhere. It's so Mm -hmm. easy for you to connect with people yet. It's obviously not working. And I think what was happening is that I I didn't I had my date Julian, I didn't have real Julian. Mm -hmm if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And I think so many of us are guilty of that. It's for some reason, when we're meeting someone in a romantic context, we put on a different face that is not mm-hmm. authentically who we are. So what do you think now that with other people seeing you as an expert in human connection, what do you think is like the one key to connecting on a date romantically? Yeah. I think the key is finding common ground Mm -hmm. and, you know, playing off of one another. And I think storytelling is the best mechanism for that. And I remember even, you know, with friends really bonding over just sharing stories, whether that was things happening in the moment or from our past. And, you know, really not having that date review questions. And I think that's why I was maybe failing on dates and flourishing in my social life is that Mm. I was just connecting with people at the level of you're a human being, I'm a human being, what shared experiences are we going to bond over versus on dating, I was maybe sizing people up or Mm. having these preset questions I need to ask them to understand, or I wanted to really make sure I was presenting my best self. I think for a long time, I was really focused on does this person like me? Where in friendship and human connection, you don't think about that, right? It's just like, am I vibing with this person? Or am I not? And one of the areas I think I want to study more, actually, is like, why do we hit it off with some people so well? Yes, and not others. And I think like, even when I met you, we just instantly connected, like totally instantly had common ground. And we probably bonded over something super freaking dumb. I don't know what it was. But you know, it's like, it wasn't (laughs) It could have been or, you know, like probably might have even been more surface level than that. But something that made me be like, oh, this is a cool person. I want to invest more time in getting to know this person. And something I really admire about Julie is that when I first moved to San Francisco, I didn't know many people or at least I wasn't sure where I belonged. And Julie Mm. and I met like once or twice and she invited me to her birthday lunch where I was able to deepen my relationship, not only with her, but with some of her close friends. And I, I always credit my circle in San Francisco to Julie because she's the first she's the first one to really introduce me to a social circle where I felt like my most authentic self Mm. in so I think that was really key something I observed about you is that you give people a chance like you are willing Mm. to (laughs) invite people out see what happens mix them up with other people you know and just see if chemistry happens and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen right yeah I would say that's probably one of my greatest attributes and also my downfall at the same time because I <laughs> <Explain>. think <laughs> 
I think with dating, maybe that's where it's got it's gotten me in trouble before. Is mm. that I keep giving people chances because I do want to believe like the best in people, and I do want to like think that people will come through. And I think in dating, I might have tolerated things that I wouldn't tolerate now because I was like, oh, you know, I'll just give them another chance. Like this was yeah. happening or this was going on in their lives. It's not reflective of how they feel about me. Like totally flaked on our last date, but now they're calling me at 2 a.m. There's still a chance, you know, and my, my now self would just be like, don't, don't even waste your time. So let's keep that mindset for a sec because I think it <laughs> naturally transitions into my next question, which is let's go back to six years ago when we decided to do the Dateable podcast. Mm. What was your dating life like at that time? Yes. Um, I was in an on-again, off-again relationship, I believe, when we first met. Mm-hmm. And I think we we became friends when we were on an off stage. Yep. And then we became on again right before we started this podcast. And, you know, this person was kind of, I thought at the time, was the one. Even mm-hmm. though we were, I think, a lesson learned too. Anytime it's on and off more than once, <laughs> not a healthy relationship, not a good sign. But again, back to I'm going to make it work. You know, it's the circumstances or they just need to get through this and then it will be happily ever after. I think I'm a romantic yeah. at heart too, which is part of the problem. And I become, I think I become a much more of a realist over time. So yeah, I was juggling this on again, off again relationship. But I think the real pivotal part of it, which is fascinating to kind of why maybe I was interested in starting this podcast with you, was before this relationship, I had had relationships before, but no one to this magnitude. No one that mm-hmm. I felt the way I felt for this person. And I think I realized it wasn't all about me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I was doing the serial dating for so long. And like I was saying, my friends would be like, you have no problem being friends with all these people. Why mm-hmm. can't anyone go past a third date? And I started to really believe there was something fundamentally wrong with me. Mm. And I think a lot of our listeners have been there as well, which for is sure. actually like one of the greatest surprises and benefits, I think, of doing this podcast is that it's given us a platform to make people not feel so alone. Because Mm -hmm. I definitely felt alone in it. And especially when you have friends that are all meeting people no problem, or they're coupled up, you start to believe that there might be something wrong that's going down. And what this relationship did for me was that it made me realize that there are two people at the table here. It's yes, what's going on for me, what's going on for them. And, you know, I truly do believe that my ex did love me very dearly. It's just there was a lot of reasons why it just didn't work. And mm-hmm. I think seeing where he was coming from and understanding that made me feel like I wanted to kind of share the gospel with people that it isn't you. <laughs> like there's a lot yes. of factors going on for people. And we don't need to feel so bad about ourselves when dating. All we need to do is recognize when things are working and when they're not and make moves accordingly. And while we're on the subject of the ex, we might as well just go into this because this is a very meaty <laughs> part of Julie's love journey. Oh <laughs> and for anybody who's been following along, you know that Julie and the ex did get back together at the beginning of COVID, um, hoping to make it work and things did not work out. But you had some very powerful realizations during this time, one of them being that you are over this ex, finally, someone who's been in your life on and off for so long. So for a lot of our listeners who are having a hard time getting over an ex who meant so much to them, what made you come to this realization? And 
how did you arrive there? Yeah. I mean, it was an on-again, off-again relationship for five years. So it was a long time when you look at it in that regard. And I never met him, which is the crazy shit. I know, which is so ironic. I think you're literally my only friend that has never met him. Yeah, never met the doctor. And you probably won't ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so five years on-again, off-again. I still don't know why UA has never met him, but she hasn't. And I think for a while, I believed it was going to work in Mm -hmm. my mind. I still believed he was the one for me. And we talk about this to people that are trying to get past someone. Until you cannot believe that, going on dates is almost a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Because you are essentially using dating as a way to show the ex, you know, like, or get yep. them back. Like, I think a lot of times, it's oh, if they know I'm moving on, they're gonna come back. And yep. that's not coming from a place of I want to use, I want to date to actually meet someone who is a better match for me and a better fit. It's coming from a place of wanting to get your ex back. And I think I was doing that for a while. Like I was going through the motions of dating, but there was someone occupying either my physical time still because we were kind of trying to figure things out or my mental time if we weren't together and talking at that stage. So I think that's first thing first is to really start dating. You need to make that shift off of it. Mm -hmm. How did I make the shift? Part of it was, you know, a lot of self-work. I think, you know, it sounds so cliche, but the first time I went to therapy was after the first breakup with this ex. Mm. And, you know, it was a really hard breakup, but I'm actually so glad now that I went through it because I think it changed me as a person. Mm. I think I was much more, I want to say surface level maybe before this, like it definitely deepened me, I think. And it also allowed me to be more independent. I remember, I feel like I would go out all the time and just be surrounded by people. So I never had to be alone in my thoughts. Yes. And I think a lot of people do that. It's just keeping busy all the time. And sometimes we have to slow down to speed up. And I remember after breaking up with this ex and doing therapy, I did a first solo trip to uh, the hot springs in you Sonoma love it. area, which doesn't even sound like a big solo trip. But for me, that was it was a big deal to go myself and just be alone in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I would make it a ritual every year to go there. And I would journal like about like what was going on in my life. What was it about my ex that I loved? What was it that did not work for me in a long term relationship? So I think a lot of it was that plus dateable, to be honest, you know, yes, it, it really was like therapy in itself. Yeah. And I actually, ironically, not ironically, when I say it. So actually, like when my ex and I got back together in COVID, he said to me that you are like a different person now. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying I that. said, because I actually confronted things when mm-hmm. I dated him. I think that I was not able to communicate my needs whatsoever is I was always like a fear that this would push this person away. And I think some of it, you know, goes back to childhood and how I dealt with things there too. It's like, sometimes it's easier just not to say anything, but that doesn't really help you in the long run. So when we dated this, I don't even know, third time around or whatever we want to call it, he was like, you are so different now. You're just stating what you need. And 
I like it. Like I know now what to expect and what the parameters are a bit more. So I think Mm. that was a huge revelation for me. And this podcast really was the catalyst for that is that I can't expect someone to be a mind reader. Like he technically wasn't doing anything wrong because I was never telling him what I needed in a relationship. I was kind of just taking what he was willing to give me. So I think that was a big piece of it. So I got really crystal clear of what I needed in a relationship and what I wanted. And then when we did this this time around in COVID, there was always an expiration because I knew I could not keep doing this for years and years on end. It was like, we are making this work this time or it's done. And Mm -hmm. when there was a sign of the old stuff coming back, basically we realized that like not enough had changed and we were in two different places still. And at that Mm. point, it made it very clear to me that this was over for good. And I'll say I tried to get back on dating apps right after. I remember this poor guy. Roadkill. Yes, he was total roadkill. I remember this guy tried to set up a date with me and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I just couldn't. And to me, that was a sign that I wasn't ready to date again. But poor guy, he had no idea clearly what I was going through. I think eventually I did tell him that I was getting out of something and realized I'm just not ready to date. But think about how many people that could happen to on dating apps that you have no idea what's going on in their life. So I think it was that, but some of it was just time. When I started to realize that dating wasn't right for me, and there was a few dates in between too, I did pull back a bit. I spent time back on the East Coast and courses is over COVID too. And there was something that shifted for me one day and what it was exactly and when it was exactly, I don't even know. But I finally wanted to meet people to meet people, not to do it for my ex. Okay, so I think this is where people want a little bit more clarity because everybody wants to search for the holy grail of a moment of clarity. That is a holy grail Mm -hmm. in relationships like this where you're off and on, you're maybe stuck on your ex. And the kicker is your ex is still into you. It's not like they've moved on or they've said they're not no longer into you. And that's what makes it even harder. So what is, can you pinpoint a moment of clarity when you knew that this has to be over? Because yes, you said the Mm -hmm. old stuff came up and you were like, we're done. But that's also happened like 10 other times in the course of five years. So what Mm -hmm. made this time the time for you to say, this is it, this is the end? Yeah, I think I just realized nothing was going to change. I think I got rid of that false hope that when this happened, it could all work out. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned from dating is you need to take people at face value of where they are today. We cannot bank on potential. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us do this, right? Is we want this person to be the person we think they are. And maybe it's actually even coming from a great place because I think I did see my ex as, you know, the wonderful person I believed he could be and maybe his highest potential, but he wasn't there to meet me there, basically. So Mm -hmm. I think I realized that things weren't going to change. I knew at that point what I wanted and what I needed. And at that point, it it was obvious that I couldn't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Before I get into my next question, let's take a quick break for sponsors. This episode is sponsored by 
BetterHelp. It is no surprise Julie and I are huge fans of therapy, especially online therapy, and BetterHelp can do exactly just that. They match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours hours super fast. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from stress management, uh, anxiety, trauma, dating, and grief. We at Dateable wish for all of you to live a happier, more wholesome life, and we think therapy and prioritizing your mental health will accomplish that. So as our listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash dateable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is made possible by ZocDoc. Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you can see them? With ZocDoc, the answer can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You simply just go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you you're booked. And that's exactly how I found my new doctor after moving to LA. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. Finding a quality doctor really shouldn't be that complicated. ZocDoc makes a search so much more pleasant. For our listeners, go to ZocDoc.com dateable and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O ocdoc.com slash d-a-t-e-a-b-l-e zocdoc.com slash dateable this episode is sponsored by via we all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom but did you know a little thc could also do that yes via has developed a unique blend of pleasure enhancing cannabinoids libido strengthening herbs and a low dose of thc all into one mind-blowing gummy called high love this gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning dream THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Hemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And so 
you know, you and I have talked about this, and I love asking you this question. What is your take on keeping in touch with the ex? So for years, I thought you could, and I wanted to. And that was part of what perpetuated this, right? Is that I did really like my ex as a person, and I still do like and care for him as a person. But that doesn't mean that they need to stay in your life. And I think for a long time, we were both holding on to this relationship still and using friendship as an excuse for it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that we were coming at it in a genuine friendship. We were there's still hope. We were using friendship as an excuse to keep in touch. But yes, mm-hmm. it was still it would still become there is hope. And I don't think that's healthy if you want to move forward. If that's the reason you're using friendship. That being said, I have another ex that I dated between this ex I'm mentioning mm-hmm. that lives in the UK now. I've talked about him on the show. He and I, you know, we didn't date as long just given the circumstance. I catch up with him maybe once a year. It's totally fine. There's no feelings involved. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring stuff up for me, basically. Right. So I think in that case, I I mean, there's a clear distance barrier too that's <laughs> happening over there. So I think that makes it a lot easier. And I don't know, I'm mixed on it still because it's like on one side, you like this person enough to be in a relationship, if not even love them. Mm-hmm. Why should they be gone for your life completely? But I think if they're getting in the way of moving forward, that's when it becomes problematic. And what the decision I had to make even recently was that, and my current partner is not jealous whatsoever, so this did not come from him, it came from my own self, was that I, if the tables were turned, would I be comfortable with this happening with him? My answer was no. Did I feel like this is what was setting me up for my future and present versus keeping me in the past? Like, I would love for there to be a world that I have no feelings at all when my ex texts me. But until that happens, I don't think that it's always serving you to stay in contact with that person. Yeah. And I think that's a really great piece of advice is that does this bring up anything for you? When you see your mm-hmm. see their name pop up on your phone, does it trigger you? Do emotions come up again? And if it does affect you in a certain way, it's probably not a good time to keep in touch with them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean even if feelings come up, it doesn't mean that you have feelings for this person anymore. You're even in love with them. But it's hard to sometimes erase all feelings from the past. I always want to say that I feel like I should be above it and that I can move on from it. But it's just human nature that some things are going to trigger you in some way. I think what the big piece was, I'm like backtracking a little, I started to see my needs as more important than his needs. Mm -hmm. I think that is really what did it for me is my needs was to propel forward and find the type of relationship I wanted. And then when I did find that, my need was to preserve that relationship, not, you know, put this other person in front of me. I think that is so important for people to hear because at some point in your relationship with him, Julie, and we're going to get off the subject very soon. So let's just one last <laughs> one last note about this ex is you said something to me that was such a red flag and where you said, if he could only <laughs> oh see, well, you, you said if he could only see how good I am for him and how much I can help him, that he mm-hmm. he can see that our the potential of our relationship. And I think so many people get stuck on that is that if they can only see how 
how good I am for them. But by you saying that, you had completely abandoned your own needs, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So I, for anybody going through the same thing, it's kind of like learn from what Julie just said that sometimes you got to put your own needs first and say, am I even getting my needs met here? Right. Yeah, it can be hard to do that, especially like if they're going through certain things in their life. It can be hard to sometimes put your needs first, but that really is the only way to move forward. And we're going to move forward. We're going to exhale out the X and move on to your now partner who you met on Hinge. And how long have you been together now? How many months? It's been 10 months. 10 months. All right. Almost a year. (laughs) Everyone who's been listening to Dateable has been on this journey with you from the moment you met him to now a committed, serious relationship. What do you think? So think about this. This relationship feels, at least to me, it feels very different. You feel like a different person with with this partner. It just feels comfortable and happy and light and um, not, I don't want to use the word easy, but it feels like you didn't have to fight as hard for this relationship. So what is different about this relationship? Yeah, I think it is that, that it's easy. And that Mm. doesn't mean that every day is easy. And as you progress in a relationship, that you're always going to be on the same page about every last thing. But I think what makes it easy is that the way we communicate is easy. The way that I can be around him is easy. I can be my full self. I was telling him the other day that I feel like with past partners, I was always kind of holding back a little. Like I was mm-hmm. always thinking, I, we talked about my <laughs> trade of thought text messages on your episode yes. last week. And, you know, sometimes I text my friends all day, every day and have these like really like kind of just like updates of your life that are, I don't know, sounds so stupid saying it, but, you know, like these things that don't really matter, but in a way brings you closer. Maybe that's the human connection again, that you're sharing mm-hmm. experiences with someone else. And I feel like with past partners, I did not text them the way I do my closest friends. Mm. And it was because I feel like I always didn't think that they would meet me there. But with him from an early time, I just always felt like I could be myself. And he told me one of the things that he loves the most to be about me is that I do share this stuff with him. And Mm. kind of, it feels like we're a unit where in past it was that I'm dating this person, they're living their life, I'm living my life. I think Mm. that's, that's been a shift, even from day one. And, you know, 10 months in, it's funny because I thought I was super comfortable right when I met him. But looking back, we've only become more comfortable with each other, which is just what happens over time in a relationship. But even from the very early stages, there was a baseline level of comfort when you were still getting to know this person. Yeah, I think that's also good for listeners to hear too, because the part of the trick of human connection is that shared experience, but also involving someone in your life. And when mm-hmm. we hear about some of you dating, having you know these early relationships and someone goes on a trip and then you don't hear from them, then you feel right. like the relationship actually goes backwards. But if they were to send you a picture of something they ate on their trip, right. and then instantly brings you closer, and it could be something so simple. So here's a listener question for you. How has what you valued in a partner and partnership changed 
Yeah. I mean, I think I was definitely look, and I think a lot of it is that it's the right person, but it's also the right time for both of us that we were both looking for someone that we could share our lives with. When I was dating before and had other partners, I think I wanted someone that could come along for the ride with me. And mm-hmm. I remember saying at early stage, I just want someone that can go out with me and my friends. And it's not that I don't want that now. I definitely do. But that isn't the number one driver of the relationship. I think I put a lot more weight on social clout and mm. you know, who they knew. I think I used to be like more in like a social scene type thing, if that makes oh, sense. One of those. A socialite. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. Not, I don't want to say socialite, but I think I did put more weight on that in Part of it was that I was dating people that I met through friends and there was this story attached to it and I was living for that where I think now one of the biggest shifts I had when I was dating this time around is that I changed what was the primary things I was looking for. Consistency was a big one because that was something I felt like was super lacking with my ex, which was the Mm. main driver of a lot of our problems. And, you know, someone that was at the same level level that wanted to commit the same way I wanted to commit was a big aspect. And I think with him, I saw both. There has not been a day that we have not texted each other in the last 10 months. And that is not something that I experienced with other partners. When we went on early dates, he would ask me for the next date on the date. That alleviated so much questioning and so much anxiety that I would get in dating. And it just made me feel like this person wants to spend time with me. There was no guesswork. And I think before I maybe wanted to like have a challenge, win someone over, change them. I think that all went out the window that I back to you got to take people at face value. I got less a lot less tolerant of bullshit. When I was dating, if someone was not consistent, I was done instead of trying to make them all like me and do mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. And sometimes those inconsistencies are what makes people think they have butterflies for someone. It's yeah, because someone's unpredictable. Totally. I don't know when they're going to call right. next. When that doesn't really align with what you're looking for, which is the consistency. You want something that you can, mm-hmm. you want someone you can depend on. Um, So then another listener question, and this is back to you being a romantic at heart. How do you remain because there was a period of time when you were single and going on dates and hopefully finding your person? How do you remain hopeful you will find your person and enjoy the season of waiting? Yeah, I love that because I've been the fifth wheel so many times, (laughs) or maybe like the seventh wheel or the ninth wheel or the like 11th wheel, who even knows. And I think there was a period of time, I remember actually talking in therapy. This was after I broke up with my ex. Of course, the timing was right before a marathon of weddings where Mm. I would be going solo to these weddings. And I remember just being like, I can't believe I'm going to be the only single person there. And Mm -hmm. my therapist be saying in return, no one is thinking about it as much as you are. (laughs) (laughs) So true. And it, 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 yeah, it's so true. And I think that over time, and this isn't something that I, I mean, I think that helped for sure. It didn't magically cure it, but I started to just become a lot more comfortable and not care as much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because 
the waiting period, I know that's the question, but I almost feel like it's giving up on the waiting and just being like, fuck it. This is my life and I'm happy with my life. And here's all the things that are going really well in my life. Actually, when I met my current partner, I remember um, I met up with my best friend the next day and I was like, you know, I really liked him. Like we had a really great time. Like we didn't stop talking. It was a great date. But you know, if I if I don't hear from him again, like I don't hear from him again. My life is going to move on. Mm. of, Of course, I want to hear from him. I'm not saying I don't. But I'm also kind of at the point that the right person will recognize that there is a connection here. A big part of it was that I was super happy with my life independently. And Mm. I think to get out of this waiting period, it's to stop thinking about it as a waiting period. I love that so much. I think what I'm hearing you say is we tend to define these bookmarks in our life as uh people as people who come in and out of our lives. So their relationships, but the time in between people, those are also seasons that we should celebrate. Mm -hmm. So that's not a waiting period. It's just a period of change and transition. But we don't always have to say these milestones are somewhat connected to a person that you're dating. For sure. I think one of the mistakes maybe I made along the way, and I'm saying mistakes so people can maybe reflect and not (laughs) do the same thing, is think that thinking that having someone was better than no one. Mm. And all that did was not allow for the right person to come into my life. Exactly. And I think some of it was, and this kind of sounds stupid when I'm saying it out loud, but it's true. Some some of it is fitting in with the herd. And that Mm kind of goes back to the human connection aspect of sharing similar experiences. If all your friends are talking about their significant others, it almost feels better to have someone that you could talk about, even if they treat you like utter shit, than no one. (laughs) But... Why would that ever be what your friends want for you? It's not like that isn't the way to one connect with your friends or also what's best for you in the long run. So I think what I what really was the defining moment was that I stopped caring that I was that fifth wheel. It was just Mm. like I'm living life and here I am and I'm happy with what life has. And now with your current partner, what relationship rituals have you and your partner created? The texting I mentioned that we really don't There hasn't been a day that we haven't texted, which I think is important to me, I learned. Mm -hmm. We always say goodnight to each other if we're not together. We'll always send Mm -hmm. like an emoji kissy face goodnight and (laughs) other cheesy things. So that's been a ritual. Um, You know, we try to, I don't know if this is a ritual, but we really do try to, you know, go for a walk or hike every weekend Mm -hmm. to be outdoors and stay active. So those are the ones that come to mind. But is there like a specific type of ritual you're kind of I know we don't have the person that asked the question, but I think those are exactly the rituals. I mean, do you like sacrifice a lamb before you get up in the morning? Is that a ritual? (laughs) Or a ritual could just be saying goodnight (laughs) every night. So you can interpret that however you want. But if there's something very offbeat that you want to talk about, yeah, now's the time. (laughs) Any other crazy rituals? I wish I could say we sacrificed a lamb, but unfortunately, (laughs) That's not the case. (laughs) And here's a question from Shieldy, one of our favorite community members. She wanted to know, what are some dateable episodes that you've re-listened to that have Mm. helped you with your current relationship? And she said, choose two. 
Oh, well, you know I'm not going to only choose two, obviously. <laughs> she said, specifically, <laughs> specifically, if more than two, just choose two. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll choose two. Two and a half. Um, two and a half, of course. So the first one that comes to mind is the 80-80 marriage. And this one, I'm not married, but when you're in a serious relationship heading that direction, I think a lot of what was said in there applies. And mm-hmm. I think what it's really taught me is to stay appreciative of your partner and not feel like now that you have a partner, just kind of do the status quo and they'll be there all the time. I think it's how can you stay grateful and gracious to this person? And, you know, instead of looking at it, like, I don't know, it gives me joy. This sounds weird, but it gives me joy to go pick up groceries for when we're going to have lunch at my house Mm -hmm. that I can, you know, provide this meal to him opposed to thinking about it. Like, why am I the one picking up groceries? Not that that's the case in our relationship. My boyfriend actually cooks way, way more than I do. But I think it's like, how can you look at, you know, what you're giving to this person opposed to what they're not doing? So that one has stuck with me for sure. The other one that I'll do as a 2.5 is how to have a healthy relationship with Vienna. That was just one episode. No, I know. I'm I'm adding the 2.5. Wait for it. Oh, okay. Wait, wait for it. Got it. (laughs) So we have the one with Vienna and Connor. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to add schemas in there too. Got it. Okay. That's how she does it. That's my (laughs) 2.5. But I think what both of those episodes taught me is how can I better understand where my partner is coming from? Mm-hmm. Instead of just looking at how I'm showing up in my life experiences, how can I understand my partner by one, asking them, and then two, just observing them and finding out about their childhood, finding out about how they view certain aspects of life. We did the schemas quiz together on it probably within month one or two. I remember, you know, that alone gave me so much insight into my partner and how we thought about the world and how the beliefs that he held. So now when things come up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's coming from this place. So while that one is definitely meant to help you understand you, I've used it to also understand him. And then Mm -hmm. in the how to have a healthy relationship, similarly, Vienna and Connor talk a lot about like understanding your partner's conflict style and their upbringing and all the stuff that makes them the person they are today. And not being afraid to get raw and real and talk about all that stuff. And one one of the many things I appreciate about my partner is that we just talk about everything. Like there's nothing that's not on the table. And that's the type of relationship I wanted. And we'll link those sh- those episodes in the show notes in case you haven't listened to them yet or want to re-listen to them. Elisa wants to know, do you have a relationship culture or motto that you live by together with your current partner? Mm. I mean, I think we're both very growth mindset oriented, which is Mm -hmm. helpful. So that's a part of, I'd say, a culture. We haven't necessarily defined a culture as much as you and your partner have in the last episode that you referenced. I think one interesting part is that we've actually realized that we actually complement each other really well, that Mm. we have different ways of approaching things. And he's mentioned before that I help him speed up and he helps me slow down. Mm -hmm. One thing that I don't do is I just go. Like I don't read (laughs) instructions. I don't think about things all the time. I just do it. And he's the opposite. And I think that what has helped us is that we complement each other in that. And it's kind of 
made us both rise up in different ways by learning from one another. So that's been a big aspect of our relationship. And, you know, even this year, one of my main goals is to slow down a little because I do think you can mention this before, you can slow down to speed up in the long haul. Mm -hmm. Let's get to some fun stuff because we also have so many people currently using dating apps and just racking their brains on how to make it work for them. And you, Julie, have prided yourself on using the apps differently than most people. Can you kind of mm. go into what that means and how you've used the apps differently? I think I just don't get fixated on app dynamics at all. Like I hear all the time people talking about profiles and the algorithm and opening lines. And I've really used apps to meet new people. And some of it I think is that apps have been ingrained in my dating life for over 10 years. I used mm -hmm. Match in 2010 and then Tinder in 2012 when it first came out. So it's always been a way of dating for me. And it's just, it's another, I always view it as another mechanism, another way to meet people, both my current partner and the British ex I met through Hinge. And both of them, we've said we would never have met each other if it wasn't from this dating app. We have no common yep. circles. And like I said before, in the past, common circles was so important to me. It was so important that they rode in a similar so social circle and all this stuff. But I realized over time that it does not matter as long as what's more important is that they have the value that I'm looking for in a partner. Mm -hmm. So I think having the ability to open your network to people that you would never meet, and both of these partners said that they would never approach me at a bar because they would never approach any girl at a bar, which actually is one of the reasons why I think also the flashy profiles on dating apps are not the right people to be engaging with. You want to find the hidden gems on these dating apps. I mean, there's a reason why like bars aren't always the best place to meet people and that a lot of times it doesn't lead to relationships or hookups is because the person that has no qualms about hitting you up in a bar isn't the person that is going to be necessarily the best significant other. Right. The person that's going up to every woman at the bar doing that. So I think when we get so fixated on this profile, that really says nothing about the person as a whole. I've also learned that no one looks like their photos for better or for worse. <laughs> this isn't just on dating apps. It's in work settings. It's yep. people we meet through dateable. Like they never look like them anyways. So I've always adapted this I, I and I'm not saying that you swipe on every last person. There's certainly people that I'll form a gut opinion if I'm attracted or enough, right? If there's like no way in hell that this is ever going to work out, I'm not going to like waste their time or my time. But I think if it's a maybe, then it's a yes. That's the mentality I've taken. And I've, you know, there's people that I've seen on dating apps that have looked amazing. And then I meet them in real life and they don't pan out. Other mm -hmm. people that look okay in dating apps and then I meet them in real life and they're freaking fantastic. So I just have learned that there's so little weight we can put on this that it's just a it's just a waste of time essentially to get so hung up on it. And quite frankly, like by doing dateable, my day job, all this stuff, I just didn't have time to look at it that way. So it was mm -hmm. all about like how can I just have conversations with people like I would. And it's actually so much more efficient than going out and trying to meet people in real life every day of the week that you can just sit at home and do this multitasking. So for me it worked from an efficiency standpoint. And when I was in the mindset of I'm just going to solely use this to meet new people. And something you always say 
is don't overthink it. Just don't overthink yeah. it, right? And I think what a lot of daters do, and myself guilty, is that you you read someone's profile and then you start developing this idea of them that gets you really excited, but that doesn't really match up to the real person. So then it sets you up for disappointment. So how do people prevent that kind of like hype period before meeting up with someone <laughs> IRL? I think we need to recognize the limitations of apps. The qualities that matter in dating, you're never going to know from from a profile mm -hmm. or even from a quick conversation with someone. You're not going to know if they're consistent, if they're kind, if they're you know, someone that you can talk to for hours and not get bored around, like all the things that really matter in a partnership, or that they're on the same page of even wanting the same type of partnership. You're not going to learn that from a dating profile. And even if you say all the stuff in a dating profile, that's just up to someone's interpretation. They're going to be like, of course I'm kind. Of course I'm of funny. Course, like yeah. whatever, you know, like they think that. It's like any human connection that you form, it's over time you get to know a person and you realize if you connect and jive with them or you don't. I remember talking to one of my best friends about dating. She had met her um, now husband in college, so was just so perplexed by modern dating. <laughs> and she worked at a dating app, though, and she said the one thing that people do that confuses her is that they make these snap judgments so quickly. Yep. And if you look at any other relationship in your life, and she equated it back to her and my relationship, we met on our work shuttle bus that we took. And mm -hmm. every day we'd sit together. And were we best friends the first day that we sat together? No, but it progressed over time. And I think when we're expecting to have meet our husband or wife or whoever on date one, that's just not a realistic way of thinking about it. And even the best organic connections, let's talk about your relationship. I this is my interview, but you knew each other seven years before you actually started dating. Sometimes it does just take time. So I think we need to remember the limitations of an app that we're just not going to know if this person is the one for us right away. And if we do think we know because of their profile, that's just us in a figment of our imagination projecting the person that we want them to be. It's not who they actually are. Yeah, we're just fantasizing at that point. But something that you and I have fantasized about that did come to fruition is this podcast. And I do want to end this interview on the podcast because so many people were so curious how we started it and how we've been able to do this for six years. So when we first talked about doing this podcast. Had you heard of any other dating podcasts at that time? No. I think the only podcast I'd heard about was Serial. And Yue and I were in a bar one night with two of our other friends. And I don't even know how we, I mean, we we're just talking about dating, but I don't yeah. know how the idea of doing a podcast even came to be, but we were just like, we should do a podcast. <laughs> and I remember after we launched the podcast, we met up with um, a friend of a friend. He told us about Guys We Fucked, that podcast. So that was oh, the first right. podcast yes. I had heard about, but it was after we had launched Dateable. I think Yue and I were just kind of like, I guess the go mentality that I think is actually, you know, sometimes hurts me, but also helps me is that I'll just do something and I'll just be like, why not? This sounds like fun. Let's try it out. Let's get some friends on the phone to talk about dating. You know, what? why not? <laughs> And this show has gone through so many iterations for anybody who hasn't listened to our first season. It was <laughs> it was hosted by me and a male co-host. His name is Michael. Yes. And Julie was a producer that would chime in. She'd be like screaming, I 
ask this question or let I want to I want to say something. It's actually really funny because we shared one mic, I think, first couple episodes. Then oh we got God, yes. like multiple mics. And then it was like, let's make it like a radio show. So the producers in the background and sometimes talk. Uh, but now you are obviously have your own microphone and your co-host. So <laughs> it makes it a lot easier that way. <laughs> so you're not screaming across the room. What do you think going from producer to now producer and co-host, when did you know that you wanted the mic and wanted to give your opinion? Yeah, I think at the beginning, maybe some of it's like imposter syndrome, right? You and the other co-hosts were both dating coaches. So I felt like you had a credibility that I didn't have. Mm. And that I think was maybe what made me be like, yeah, I should just be the producer in the background and, um, you know, do the website because that's like my background is in tech and I could do that type of stuff. So I think some of it was from that, from the day, the early days. I think also you and I, for whatever reason, thought we needed like the male female dynamic. And that was probably more from old school boarding TV and, you know, different like that was just the dynamic that was always there. And I think a lot of podcasts like Guys We Fuck broke through that to have two women hosting a show. So there was that aspect too. I think it was just like assume that that's what I would do. When that shifted, I think I felt like I had a lot to say. I think that was a big piece of it. Yeah. I mean, what what started as why I wanted to do this is that I felt like I had been through it. I felt the pain of feeling like you're alone in this process. It can be a really lonely place to think that mm. there is something wrong with you when you're dating. So that was what drove me to do this podcast. When we started it, it was definitely more about sharing and commiserating about stories. And I think over time... I was able to piece together too that there's something a lot larger here with UA, of course, but like this is not just a dating story. There is a modern dating culture that, you know, and quite frankly, there's a lot of areas that it's broken. I mean, tying it back to the very beginning, I think West Elm Caleb embodies why modern dating culture is broken. And I was sick of seeing when you Googled for modern dating articles that came up that said modern dating sucks. And that's what you would see all the time. And I guess what drove me is kind of a long winded answer. What drove me to start and then also have a voice is that we grew up in the days of Cosmo and the rules and the more traditional advice. And I think it started off, even you, UA, had very traditional views when we started off about mm-hmm. gender dynamics and who should pay for dates and who should ask people out and all this stuff. And the more we learned from doing Datable, the more we saw that we could actually change dating culture and help people get out of their own way. And I wanted to be a part of that. And you are a part of it. We're so <laughs> glad that you took the mic and have voiced your your own experiences and learnings. So you asked me the same question on um, our last episode. What are your goals for this new year personally and professionally? Yeah, I mean, definitely for Datable to grow, for sure. I echo yes. your personal growth. <laughs> I think it's interesting because I was very happy being single. I really was, especially right before I met my partner. But I realized from being with the right person, the level of happiness that I didn't know was available, I guess, is maybe a good way to say it. So what I want for myself is one, to continue to have that happiness, but also for 
our community members to have that happiness. And even if they haven't met someone, have the happiness of being comfortable in their own skin and loving their life at a minimum, and then hopefully meeting that person that they've been looking for this whole time. Um, I think that's what keeps me going with Datable and amplifying our reach only allows more people to do that. And it kills me when people, you know, get so frustrated with dating apps or so down on themselves, the the process of dating. So I want to build a world that, you know, people are, are coming into it just being like, someone is freaking lucky to meet me. Like, mm-hmm. whenever that happens, that happens. And I'm not going to think about it as a waiting game. But I'm going to think about it as this is just a page of my story. And let me see how my story unfolds, whatever direction it does. What else I've loved about what we've done with Datable is when we first started, it was all about two people going on a date. We've had so many episodes of self love and self reflection yes. and really just you know, understanding how you play into the equation and not that you're doing something wrong, but what's an area that you can grow in. And I want to keep doing more of that. And we will be doing more of that. This <laughs> wraps up this episode, but I want to do something fun that Julie loves to do with the guests, which is rapid fire questions. And oh, so I've got a list of rapid fire questions. You have three oh, seconds to answer each question. Before I get into that, I just want to make a very quick plug for our 22 day dating app yes. reset challenge that is still live until Valentine's Day. And you heard it here. Julie has used the dating app apps totally different than most people. And we've used those nuggets and learnings in this challenge. So every day for 22 days, you get a trick or a hack or um, a tidbit or a fact that will change the way you use online dating. So you can sign up for that still at findingyourperson.com slash apps. Okay, ready? I'm giving you three seconds. I'm ready. For ready for question. the rapid fire. Okay, Whew. we start off very easy. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Missionary or doggy? Missionary. Firm or soft? Firm. (laughs) Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. (laughs) What motivates you every morning? Oh my God. How did that jump? (laughs) I just do it. I just do it. Don't think about it. Just go. (laughs) What is something you're irrationally afraid of? Fire. (laughs) Uh, Popular dating advice you disagree with? It's a numbers game. A talent you wish you had? Singing. If you can't host a dating podcast, what else would be your dream job? That's like any more time. <laughs> this is now 10 seconds. <laughs> if I can't host a dating podcast, what would be my dream job? You can say pass. I would be too. helping other podcasters. <laughs> okay, great. The first person's name that pops into your mind right now. Go. UA, because I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what phrase has more effect on you? I love you or you're everything to me? Mm, I love you. What phrase has more effect has more effect on you? I love you or you're beautiful? I love you. I love you or I got you coffee? <laughs> I got you coffee because that is my love language. <laughs> I love you or I hate you? I love you. I love you or you're my person? You're my person. Ah, that wraps up rapid fire. Nice job. She only cheated on two of those questions where she had more than 10 <laughs> seconds, but she did it. After okay, all- you went from like... Super easy to <laughs> the extreme your, movement of what's those your philosophy questions. on life. Go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this was so much fun. I hope our listeners enjoyed this. It just gives a little peek into the mind of Miss Julie. You know, I what I love about why we're doing this is that if we were to do this again in a year from now, it's going to be different too. We're constantly yeah. evolving and we're documenting our changes through this podcast. So thank you all for being along for the ride. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. We're about to bring you season 14 very, very quickly, but we also appreciate those five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. So please do that whenever you get the chance. We seriously, seriously appreciate it. Okay, shall we wrap this up? Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.